Welcome to NextCast, where we take you on a thrilling journey into the heart of innovation, urban development, and the future of our bustling cities. I'm your host, Emilia, CEO of SwissNext in San Francisco, and this is the Metropolis season. So good morning, we're recording right now, so welcome to our podcast. Thank you, good morning. Good morning. As you know, our podcast is next cast. It's the Metropolis season that we're recording for the 20th anniversary of uh, Swiss Next in San Francisco. Um, if you agree, I suggest we start, you know, with the basic. Could you just tell us who you are and what you do? Sure. So my name is David de Chambrier. I am one of the co-founder of Funa Nexus. We um, We are a startup that focuses on recycling the nutrients from um, from urine, whether it's a human or um, livestock urine. And um, I have a background in sales and operations, um, mostly startups. And uh, lately, I worked uh, uh, for Google um, in Zurich. Okay, so when you say you recycle urine, uh, how do we how do we understand this? So what yeah. is what is, what is actually happening there? Yeah, so it's um it's a pretty it's a pretty uncommon uh, subject to talk about, but it's actually quite important because urine uh, contains up to eighty percent of uh, what a wastewater treatment plant um, is trying to um, is trying to treat. So it contains uh, the micropollutants, a lot of the nutrients, etc. Um, etc. Et And so at Airvag, which is the water institute of the Polytechnical Schools of Switzerland. Um, there's been a lot of research on how can we um, how can we decentralize wastewater treatments and how can we find ways to uh, to make it more efficient. And so, um, coming from this technology, we started uh, we started this company that uh, that focuses on this. How did you come up with the idea? Was it a, a meeting with a researcher or is it a topic water I, that has been following you over the years? Yeah, it's a topic. Um, it's a topic uh, water that has been following us, but really, it's coming from research. Um, so, really, originally, the, there's been a, a research project at Airvac that was called uh, the Vuna project, and the idea was to um, recycle the nutrients in areas around the world where there's very um, no sanitation or no wastewater treatment systems at all, and how can we recycle these nutrients in order to then bring back this nutrient to earth in a safe way for local farmers. And so this research project um, was in uh, South Africa. And from this research project um, came um, basically our company. So basically it was conceived as a, as a, um, a development project, but actually you kind of bring it back to make a company to the, to the Western world. Is that, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. I mean, in essence, um, the technology right now is at a stage uh, is a, still at a very at a relatively early stage. So, in terms of cost, for example, um, at the stage where right now it's uh, it's more let's say affordable or let's say more um, realistic to to uh, to install it um, here in Switzerland or in, uh, in in very dense cities that are struggling with the wastewater. Um, But our goal is to then go back uh, and be able to to bring the cost down to a point where we can also use this technology back where it was originally uh, made for. Mm -hmm. 
And what is your, uh, so when you go to, who, who are your clients maybe? Can you tell us this? Is it um, someone who is building a new house? And uh, what, is, what is your sales pitch? How do you convince them to recycle <laughs> yeah. the urine? Um, so the sales pitch is, um, it's, let's say our clients mostly right now are uh, real estate developers uh, that develop large, um, large buildings, let's say buildings that host more than 500 people. And more often than not, and we can see this, for example, in Paris, cities um, have their wastewater treatment system saturated. And so the densification is a challenge for a lot of cities around the world. And um, people are now more and more looking for solutions that are decentralized in order to, to reduce the, the load that is um, ending on the wastewater treatment plants. So our sales pitch is kind of, we are approaching a, um, a, a building developer and um, we are suggesting the installation of our technology, of urine treatment technology, often in parallel um, than other technologies, such as gray water treatment, for example, that is something that is now being done uh, quite a lot in San Francisco and in other cities around the world. And um, what we do is um, we install our process uh, in the basement. It's, relatively, it's a relatively simple process. It's basically a bioreactor. And um, so the process is completely autonomous. And so we recycle these nutrients and we produce a fertilizer. That fertilizer is called Aurin, um, and it's certified um, on the Swiss market, uh, but also in, in the European Union um, as, a, as a mineral fertilizer. So it's, it's the same fertilizer as you would buy in the, anywhere, really. It's an NPK. And so the model right now is that we are proving that uh, recycling nutrients in a building can make financial sense. And so by recycling the urine and reselling the fertilizer, we can then pay a rent to the building owner that will then reimburse the original um, investment. So I often compare this to solar panels um, that can be installed on buildings that then generate revenue for the, for the building owner. Although we are still in the early days, so right now it's still a pretty expensive investment and uh, the return on investment might be a bit longer than it will be in 10 or 15 years. And with the remaining water, what are the... Um, one of my, my qu main questions would have been then, what, what challenges have you faced on your path? And I, c I can imagine that... Could you drink this water that is recycled? And um, how? what is the reaction of yes. people? <laughs> So at the end of our process, we have a distillation. Um, and so the distillation is quite important because it allows us to concentrate the nutrients, but then also uh, pasteurize the liquid. So all pathogens or any living organism is, um, doesn't survive this process. And so at the end, we have a distilled water. Um, if we were treating it a little bit more, we could potentially make it a drinkable water, um, but most of the minerals are out. So usually what we do is we re-inject this water in uh, the gray water system of the building. So it could be the rainwater, for example, that is used for watering or for dishwashers or, 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 or anything like this. And else um, system buildings that don't have a gray water system, the water is just then um, sent back to the, to, the, to the centralized treatment system. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm asking this because I was uh, um, told by one of my colleagues here at uh, Swissnex in San Francisco that she uh, attended a panel with uh, um, a couple of astronauts saying that in space, apparently, the water that they drink have been gone through many people many times. And I was wondering if you're... I mean, if, you know, you ever had discussions maybe with uh, these type of stakeholders. 
Yes, absolutely. So part of the research um, has been financed by um, the Melissa uh, Foundation. The Melita Foundation is a foundation that is uh, linked to the European Space Agency and focuses on uh, developing um, developing systems that will enable uh, life on on other planets. So basically, part of our research um, is intended to be then used in space at some point. Mm-hmm. Um. If you um if we um start to zoom out a little bit I was uh wondering are you the um, could you talk a little bit about uh, the ecosystem in the um, area of of water recycling um are there other startups but is there a lot of research currently uh, what is exactly the state of the art So the state of the art right now so it's it's we 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 often compare uh, Wastewater, at least in Switzerland, but also mostly in Europe, um, it's it's a bit like the energy market, uh, like it was probably 15, 20 years ago. Everything is very centralized um, through through state institutions that are in charge of uh, treating the wastewater. So it's it's actually quite hard to uh, to push new technologies in this um, in this market, uh, for the reason that the legislation doesn't really allow it um, more often than not. And so in terms of state in the art, I think it really depends um, on the city per city cases and on the, on the, on the needs of each cities. Um, but we can see in Paris, for example, because they're organizing the Olympics, um, they're investing a lot in uh, decentralized uh, treatment system, whether they're gray water or whether they're yellow water, so urine or, or black waters. Because right now, the reality is that a lot of the wastewater is then thrown in the Seine River and it's extremely polluting. Um, so state of the art, there are, there are some startup out there that are doing um, um, gray water recycling. The urine world is a relatively small world. A lot of researchers um, talking, to, talking to each other and sharing different technologies at different scale. And uh, black water is still a lot of it. It's still, I would say, in research. Just to make sure that um, our audience understand, could you m- maybe just tell us the difference exactly between gray water, black water, and clean water? Sorry. <laughs> so um, yellow water is basically urine mixed with um, water. And then we have gray water. Gray water is usually everything that comes from dishwashers or showers or water that is slightly polluted, but really not very hard to treat. And then we have the black waters that are um, that are for example, with feces or, or oils or things like this. Okay, thank you. Thank you for this uh, explanation. Um, when you were talking about Paris, let me come back to that. Do you know how the situation is in, in the US and maybe in San Francisco? Uh, how is the legislation there and what are the main differences? So in San Francisco, I've been told um, not so long ago, two weeks ago, actually, that uh, there's a legislation that forces all new buildings, uh, at least large scale buildings, to have a gray water system, uh, a gray water treatment system in the building. So that means you get the fresh water uh, for your showers, for your kitchen, for everything. That fresh water goes in a gray water tank in the basement of your building, is treated and then re-injected in your um, toilets, for example, in the flushing systems of your toilet. And in that way, the water is already used twice. So that's already a big progress because in terms of uh, the infrastructure and the planning of, of buildings, it makes architects and urbanists and, 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 and engineers understand that having 
multiple systems and having some parts of the treatment done in a building is possible and is not completely unrealistic. So I think for me, this is really a, a good sign. Um, in Paris, there are a lot of subsidies that are, that are given to, to our systems, for example. And we can see this as well in Geneva, where, uh, where the state is starting to reduce the taxes on, um, on, on buildings that are treating their own wastewater. Um, I, w I was about to ask you, what does it take to, to implement your solution? Um, so in your sales pitch, there are some, some financial investment for um, owners of building, but it also seems that the state has an important role. I mean, if there is no push, you were talking about subsidies, about uh, less taxes or, or new legislation. Um, do you think that there is a need for more, um, let's say, regulation, generally speaking, in this area? Is it possible to implement that without having an action of the state? So right now it's possible to implement it. Um, it's just mainly early adopters uh, of the technology are more like on the visionary uh, type of customers. So for them, the cost is less of an issue and they're doing this because they believe it's the right thing to do. So that's really who our customers are right now. I think in the future, um, the legislation will have to change uh, to enable this. Uh, one of the main issue we have right now, issues, is not really an issue, but one of the main problems we have right now is that the wastewater treatment tax is a percentage of the clear water. So every time you buy fresh water, like one cubic meter of fresh water, there is a percentage of this that is a tax that will then be able to, the state will then be used to treat the, the, that, that wastewater. And so until we get that tax on the effluent, uh, so a what's coming out of the building and not what's coming in in the building will have issues. So to illustrate this, um, some projects, some large projects in Geneva, for example, they're trying to do um, to use rainwater uh, to flush their toilets, which seems pretty logical. Um, the problem is then the wastewater treatment plant will have to treat uh, a water on which they haven't got any money from. Because they're, because they're getting water from the sky uh, that is free, and that is not taxed, then they refuse these kind of projects because they, they won't get paid for their work, basically. So, so I would say that the main legislative problem right now is the way this tax is structured, and we should tax on what is sent to, to the wastewater treatment plants instead of, instead of on, on what we actually buy. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So the incentive is somehow set wrong. It's, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a very interesting uh, question. Yeah. Um, if I, um, you were talking um, about the fact that it was the early adopters that were using your solutions. Um, since uh, you are one of the of the of the founder of this company, um, of the Buna Nexus, I was I was wondering, to what what is your vision? If we think not just about the you know water recycling, but much more about you know the future of cities. You were talking a lot about decentralization. How do you think, like, in, in 30 years from now, how do you think a city should look like? I think in terms of wastewater, uh, a city should look like... So we should treat a lot of our waste in a decentralized way. So similar to what is done with batteries or PET or glass, where at home you separate the feeds before sending them to incineration or something like this. You, you se if you separate the se the, these feeds, it's then way easier to recycle. And I think... In the future and where it's possible, I, and I by no means think that every building in the future will have 
urine and feces treatment uh, locally because it doesn't necessarily apply everywhere. But in the future, I think very dense cities will have to have decentralized uh, uh, wastewater treatment. But if we don't only speak about wastewater, I think it's more water in general. So rainwater collection is a must. I mean, the fact that nowadays, nowadays we still use fresh water to flush our toilets is a complete nonsense. And although we really focus and, and, and a lot of the, 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 the word out there is concerning the, the, the CO2 and the global warming, we, we kind of like don't realize that every day when we urinate, I don't know, 250 milliliters, we flush that with five, six, seven, ten 10 liters of fresh water, which is a complete nonsense. And I think rainwater will be a first. Using the water at least twice in a building will be an absolute must in the future. And, and then where possible and, and, and where interesting, uh, potentially having some of these waste treated directly on site. Research, for example, at uh, EAVAG is, uh, is trying to show that the feces can be dried uh, in the building and then compressed into heating pellets. And so within your building, you could have a system that heats the building with feces pellets that have been dried, exactly like wood pellets, except that they're just feces pellets, basically. Do you believe, I mean, um, what is very interesting in your, it's a very uh, circular um, uh, approach as well, right? Um, do you believe that each building, ideally speaking, should be entirely autonomous and self-sufficient? Do you have this vision that each big building should have its roof garden and should grow its own vegetables? And is that is that something we should try to achieve? I, I'm personally not uh, having this this uh, this dream. I mean, it would be really fantastic, but I think that we will need to adapt to what we have right now. And so a lot of the buildings will need to be refurbished and we'll need to prolong the life of this building as long as we can, because that's the most ecological way of thinking about things. And so our vision as a company is more where it makes sense, we can install systems. And often we even refuse systems because we think that it's not, it's not going to fit that particular building or the density of the population is not good enough in that area or f for various reasons. And I think, yeah, I think it, it will be more on a case by case, in my opinion. And, and except if you were to start a building like a city from scratch, I think we'll have to adapt to different environments. So you can't do rainwater collection everywhere, for example, you need to have certain types of roofs and you need to have a certain types of urbanism and areas to store that water, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So in my opinion, it will be more like a mix of different technologies that all talk to each other and, and that kind of all work together. So a building could be collecting rainwater for other buildings, for example, and maybe a building will, be, will have a roof garden to feed other buildings because it will be more adapted to this use. Um, that's, that's more the dynamic I'm, I envision. Okay, so it'd be um, like um, not each building being self-sufficient, but kind of more of a community, because right now we know that cities are importing, I mean, food, vegetables, everything is uh, beca because of the density, right? Um, so we could still imagine a system where we would have building and houses that would kind of have different functions, um, like probably a, a state, but just at a small scale. Absolutely, yeah, ab absolutely. And I think that the direction it's taking, especially for, for our technology and, and, and similar technologies, um, is more and more we have um, 
we have cities approaching us. They have new developments of eco neighborhoods, for example. Uh, we have one in Berlin that is uh, 300,000 square meters. I don't know how, how many feet meters it is, but right. um, they are like very large neighborhoods and, and they're thinking about separating urine on not on a building scale, but on a neighborhood scale. And the same thing with the solar and the same thing with the heating and having smaller plants for neighborhoods. Are there other, you were talking about the solar system, about the recycling uh, possibilities. Are there other areas that you can think of where this decentralization process is taking place in the construction or building? Well, I mean, some of the research, so uh, the institute next to us, which is the EMPA, which is the, the material um, institute of the Polytechnical School of Switzerland, is doing a lot of research on recuperation of building materials, for example. So. In term, instead of uh, throwing them away, you, you, you get the windows back and you get some part of the walls and maybe the carpets. And they do a lot of research on how can we reuse some of these materials as locally as possible um, to rebuild new things. And so I think that's, that's, an, that's a very interesting, an interesting thing, yes. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. an interesting. And if we had to give... Um one advice to um, to people who are listening to us right now um, about what can they do uh, in their everyday life to contribute to a more sustainable urban future? What, what would you tell them to do? Huh, that's a hard one. Um, <laughs> think about think about what's happening when you flush the toilet. I'm staying in my subject, uh, but think about it. Um, I, I'm not an engineer and I'm not like an environmental engineer trained in wastewater. So I've just kind of, I landed in this world maybe three, four years ago. And, and I'm realizing now that everything that is happening there is, we just have no idea. Make a little bit of research, look into what is happening every time you flush the toilet and think about that. Think about the network and the infrastructure that the city has in place to do something with this waste when they do something with it <laughs> and um, and you know maybe don't flush the toilets if you just urinate 250 milliliters and that you have an old toilet that flushes it with 20 liters of water maybe not maybe you just do it next time or like <laughs> okay i don't i don't know for people living in sharing apartment how this recommendation <laughs> <No>. will <laughs> Really, but know. thank you, thank you for that, and uh, and uh, I think uh, I think we'll all then you know think about Wuna Nexus in the a couple of times per day probably. <laughs> um, well, I think we're about uh, pretty much at the end of our talk, so um, I really wanted to thank you, um, David, for taking the time for sharing your story with us. Um, we're also very excited to have you soon with us um, in San Francisco. And uh, yes, thank you for participating for this um, next cast Metropolis season. And thank you uh, so much. looking forward to seeing you soon. Looking forward to see you soon too. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you, you too. Bye-bye. This episode was part of the Metropolis season, where we celebrate Swissnex in San Francisco's 20th anniversary. Find out more about the anniversary and upcoming events by Swissnex in San Francisco in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode and see you at one of our upcoming events.